Welcome to The Mother-Daughter Journey, a podcast for women working through the tenuous transition of a maturing mother-daughter relationship. I'm Abigail. And I'm Kelly. We know firsthand that the mother-daughter relationship is one of the most fabulous, yet frustrating, relationships you are ever going to have. Even so, we're best friends, business partners, and of course, mother and daughter. So join us as we share our ongoing journey and the lessons we've learned along the way. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the mother-daughter journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Let's see. Today, we thought that we'd broach a subject that is a little heavy, touches our lives very personally, and is not broached nearly enough. We're going to talk about mental illness and mental wellness and the stigma and some statistics and how it's affected our lives. Because really, we just need to start talking about it more. What we're about to talk about is more of, well, one, how difficult the arena is in general, just to navigate what it does Mm -hmm. to relationships and families, if it is something that's in your world. Mm -hmm. But also, we can tie it into self-image, self-worth, self-love, and how that affects relationships. Because honestly, if you're somebody who lives with a mental illness, then you need to accept and love and honor that illness. You do, right. It's part of you. It's much easier said than done. Oh, all things are easier said than done. For this, we know that firsthand, especially. Unfortunately, for those of us who do struggle with mental illness, that self-love is even harder to find, I think. At the beginning. At the beginning. And I'd like to make a note. You know, I want to asterisk this. If it was a paper where you would asterisk and have little notes at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what an asterisk is. (laughs) Asterisk, right? Asterisk. I don't even know if I said it correctly. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, you will hear Abigail and I mistakenly say struggle with several times throughout this episode. Yes, you will. Because that's still a mindset thing that I am working through. Yes. To be honest with all of you is I am on that journey and I'm, you know, There's always a hump and I'm on the other side of the hump of the journey towards honoring and loving and accepting all parts of who I am, including my mental illnesses. Right. And so, yes, I will probably say struggle. And that is a word that I am trying to, that's a shift that I'm trying to make both in my head when I speak the way I speak about myself and also out loud. So if I say struggle and Kelly goes, hey, that's that's why that's what's happening. Because we are trying to make the mind shift of it's something that we live with. And it's a part of who we are. It's a part of who we are. And and parts of that can be. Yes, I'm not saying not. They're not a struggle. Right. But it's all a matter of how you look at things. It's not all of it is a struggle. Not all of it is a struggle. Some of it has made me more compassionate and just made me a better person, right? And I don't look at those things. I look at the the struggle. We we tend to look at the negative. Yes. As humans. It's- so anyway, there's that little asterisk. Yes. So to start this conversation, because it is a huge conversation that is absolutely by no means going to be finished in one episode and a conversation that as a society we just need to start having more of but let's talk about this okay according to the world health organization one in every eight people in the world live with a mental disorder let that sink in one eighth one in every eight people we all know more than eight people which means we all know somebody struggling with a mental illness at least one somebody At least I'm assuming we all know eight people. Yes. 
I know last episode I was like, don't assume. You know what they say about assume, but I feel like that's a safe assumption. I'm going to go with it. (laughs) One in eight people. All right. And this statistic the World Health Organization gave me was BC before COVID. This was a 2019 statistic before COVID just, you know, made all of that worse. Before COVID exacerbated that. Exacerbated. Oh, that's a great word. I like it. We purposely went with 2019 because we wanted to show the magnitude of mental illness in our society before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. The pandemic did not cause this problem. No. It just... Exacerbated it. Correct. I like that word. And actually, you know, since the pandemic, there's been a 26 to 28% increase and anxiety disorders and depression around the world. So yeah, sit with that for a minute, okay? When we talk about mental disorder, we're defining it and the World Health Organization is defining it as something that involves significant disturbances in thinking, so your cognition, your emotional regulation or behavior, okay? Just to, you know, put the definition out there because that's who I am. We all know Abigail likes her definitions. (laughs) I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Got it. Check. So with that being said, K-Dog, where do you want to start? Do you want to kind of just... Why don't you just run through, I think you have a list there of the top eight that is listed by the World Health Organization. Who? Like just just name the things because that's what we do. So just name them and then we'll have our little spin on... Because some of it, like, you know, like we've been saying, we have personal experiences with. And so we'll talk about our experiences with it, but we'll also mostly turn the focus on to how it's affected our relationships, not just the one we have with each other, the mother-daughter relationship. The one we have with ourselves and with our family. And with other family members, exactly. So again, according to the World Health Organization, the most common types of mental disorders are anxiety disorders, which can include general anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder. That was hard, huh? Uh, Panic disorders, social anxiety, separation anxiety, right? So there's that. There's major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, PTSD, schizophrenia and other paranoias, eating disorders, neurodevelopmental disorders like ADD or learning disabilities. So really, there's just a a large scope when we talk about mental disorders. And for some reason, we don't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, one of the ones that have touched our lives most intimately isn't even on that list. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Obsessive, Obsessive compulsive, compulsive disorder. disorder. Yeah. You'll you'll hear me say this a lot, guys, because it really is a pet peeve of mine. Like, we just need to talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. First, let's talk about how that affects a family, right? Let's just talk about navigating the whole arena and how it's something we don't think about as we're raising our children or at least it wasn't something I thought about so I shouldn't say we let's just talk about let's it's all about me 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 let's just talk about me oh sorry sidetracked but I didn't think about my daughter living with mental illness that's not how I like considered her as we were growing up we've talked about because it wasn't a consideration it wasn't a consideration because it's not talked about And that is starting to shift because of, you know, people like us and just what's happening in the world. Just what's happening in the world. People are finally starting to realize and accept that it's a thing that we need to address. Yes. Um, So, but when you were growing up, it wasn't something I thought about. So 
the symptoms and manifestations that you were having as a result of generalized anxiety disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder, Mm -hmm. I interpreted as difficult. Yes, I was just a problem child or Uh, oversensitive or I like to throw temper tantrums or dramatic or a lot of the words I got. Yeah, you know, princess. Mm -hmm. My family referred to her, still does actually, as she's a princess. Yeah, we did. I think we talked about this in a previous episode. Right. I was the princess. Yes. And so that is the perception that we had of Abigail growing up. And... Which, you know, in turn became the perception I had of myself, like, well, there is something wrong with me and I'm a drama queen and I'm too sensitive. But that's, you know. I mean, well, that's what happens. So that's, that's a what, whole different conversation. Well, it is and it isn't. It's what we're talking about here, I right? Guess. It's, right. It's yeah. the perceptions that are formed in your mind and in your family's mind when the possibility of a mental disorder and how to approach it isn't considered. Right. 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 And so and we didn't consider it. And so we operated this way of not considering it for a very long time until that fateful day. Until there was no other option, really. Exactly. Until there was no other option. So in looking at this, let's just be open to the possibility. I mean, one in eight people. Right. Let's be open to the possibility that behaviors that we're thinking are just, oh, they're just children. They need to learn discipline discipline, or they need to learn boundaries or they need to be all the words that we might use in that situation. They're just being immature. They're just being bratty. They're just being too sensitive. Bratty. That's the word. As I was going through the list of what I was called, I'm like, there's something big I'm missing. But, but- anyway... So, that, so basically what we're saying is let's consider this. Let's let's start talking about mental illnesses. Let's start just considering this when you're seeing a problematic behavior pattern. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not something that needs to be fixed, so to speak, but something that needs to learn how to be lived with. Navigated and... Honored. Honored, exactly. And loved and nurtured. Mm-hmm. Right? And that doesn't excuse the behaviors that manifest from a mental disorder right just because you have one doesn't mean you get to be bratty right you also need to if you're the person suffering from the mental disorder do the work to get help and be able to navigate it so that it is not one so you're able to live your life happy and at peace right right but your mental illness or disorder isn't everybody else's for sure so but when you're four years old correct correct no that's not a thing (laughs) yes agreed agreed which is why i'm saying let's just talk about this and consider exactly right so that you can help your four-year-old or your 10-year-old or your 16-year-old or your 50-year-old at this point because we're just starting to awake to these things Mm -hmm. come to terms with the fact that you're not a freak. You're not. You don't need to be fixed. You don't need to be fixed. You don't need to be, and I'm putting air quotes up, normal. Because that word is just not even real in my mind. Oh, gosh, no. Right? There's no normal. There is no normal. So if we took normal out of our vocabulary and we just were people, all people are different and we shouldn't people be. People are tr- just 
people. Right. And we shouldn't be trying to fit into a mold or, you know, let's stop trying to put everybody into the same square peg because we're not all squares. And this really is part of one of the deep rooted issues when it comes to having the mental disorder conversation is there's this stigma for whatever reason we've created the stigma that mental disorder equals a problem or something wrong with you or lesser than something that needs to be fixed and so we don't talk about it we hide it which just makes it worse yeah let's not air our dirty laundry is kind of the feeling that we've faced when we've been dealing with this right but if you had diabetes would you feel ashamed to say no i can't eat that because i have diabetes no just as well that you shouldn't feel ashamed to say i need a little extra me time because that's how my brain functions at a comfortable place for me as i'm trying to find the right words (laughs) right Basically, not feeling ashamed for setting whatever boundaries you need to set with yourself and others to honor your mental illness, your mental disorder. Yes. But I will also say that you do need to honor, at least in our world, you need to honor it and you need to accept it as your own. Absolutely. Right? And you need to learn to live with it. And be able to talk about it and express it so that I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but like your responsibility. Thank you. It's your responsibility. Like it's it's not I'm going to go back to diabetes, right? It's not your parents responsibility once you're, you know, once you're old enough, like obviously when you're a kid. Yeah, it's not your spouse's responsibility to make sure that you don't sit down and drink a bottle of wine when you have diabetes. Exactly. It's yours. It's yours. And it's not, I guess, in this. That being said, your spouse, I'm sorry, I I totally just cut you off. All good. That being said, it's your spouse is allowed to sit down and, and drink wine. Well, I mean, without it being right, you need to kind of discuss what's comfortable and again just with anything be able to express your feelings your emotions your boundaries Mm -hmm. in a calm productive manner it's all about what abigail it's all about healthy communication exactly and it's also this goes back to your own self work because you need to know what those boundaries are right i mean this this whole conversation about accepting mental illness and loving it and honoring it is hard. Hard. It's hard. Like I said at the beginning, I'm still working on it. Like and it, and we've shared our journey, some of our journey with this. I mean, it's been 10 years and we're still sifting through it. I think I mentioned last time we both regularly sit and talk with a therapist or a psychiatrist. But five years ago... I never in a million years would have been sitting here telling you to love and honor your mental illness because I for sure did not. I was of the mindset that there was something wrong with me that I needed to be fixed. I wasn't normal. If I could just be normal. If I didn't have OCD, my life would be so much better. I shouldn't have to take medication. I shouldn't have to make sure that I meditate I shouldn't have to take time out to rejuvenate Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to self-talk 
right? There's all of these things that we say to ourselves. We should the crap out of ourselves. We should the crap out of ourselves. Yeah. On a daily basis, and especially when you are living with a mental illness that you think needs to be fixed. And don't get us wrong. Like Abigail said, it's your responsibility, just like if you have diabetes or just like if you have cancer or just like if you broke your leg. It's your responsibility to take the necessary steps mm-hmm. to, and I'm going to use the word fix. Mend. But yes, to mend. Thank you. But it's your responsibility to learn about the illness, learn about the boundaries that you need to set, learn about the medications that you need to take. Or the foods you need to eat or whatever the case may be. Whatever the case may be. And know that it's a long haul, right? And it's your work. It is. And your family is there to support you in it. So, yes. So now we talk about the family's work or the family's role when a member, when a member of the family or members struggle with, I did it again, live with a mental disorder. Yes. There's a level of acceptance acceptance that needs to happen responsibility but not obviously not owning any of the work that you have to do as an individual like we just said it is your mental illness it's a part of you but they need to accept responsibility in the sense that if they want to have a genuine relationship with you they need to kind of do the research they need to do the work on their end to understand where you're coming from and and how you work. Yes, I would say that they need to try to embrace the fact that, yes, you are sensitive. Mm -hmm. But because you're uncomfortable with sensitive, that doesn't mean that the person is too sensitive. Right. It just means that you're not comfortable with it. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with the other individual. It just means that exactly what I said, you're uncomfortable with it. And so Mm -hmm. you need to do your own work to determine how you're going to navigate that relationship without making the other person feel like they need to fix themselves in order to be worthy of the relationship. Or show up in a different way. Or show up in a different way. Yes. And so as you can see, as we are going through this conversation, it's difficult because there's no way to say that your mental illness doesn't affect the people that love you. It does. It does. It's hard and it does. And at times when you're trying to navigate it and you are unable to navigate it, it has an impact on the family. It has an impact on the people that love you. That being said, not something you should feel ashamed for. Correct. It's not something that you should feel ashamed of. It it just is. It just is. It just is. And it's hard for all involved. Let's just try to address it from our experiences And maybe through that, some of you out there, like you mamas and and daughters out there will know that one, you're not alone walking this journey. And two, we we see you. It's hard. It's difficult. It's a long, windy road. But acceptance and learning, educating, doing the work gets you to spend less time in the valleys and more time in the peaks. Right. That's not to say that valleys aren't going to happen. I'm sure that we still have valleys that we're going to navigate with all of this well take mental disorder out of the conversation that is just human life that's and just human life. experience this is true this right? is true so for people who have a mental disorder their valleys probably more often than not are going to be associated with that mental disorder well or it's going to trigger the mental disorder or it's gonna, just or normal gonna trigger a spiral or something like that yes. normal life occurrences that are hard because we all have hard things that happen in our life could trigger a mental illness. So let's talk about my dad's passing. Let's talk about 
puppies passing. Do we have to? I'm just saying how it affected our mental illness, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's out of left field. And it just happened. But that's what came to my mind. Mm-hmm. People grieve in different ways. And it's also another thing that we don't really talk about, right? Because it's uncomfortable for us and we don't know how to navigate people who are grieving. We just want to make them feel better. We want them to feel better. And it's the same thing with mental illness. We want you not to be going through what you're going through. So when my... It would be easier for... for, It would be easier for them and easier for you, right? They They just want it to be easy. And... Excuse us if we stumble through this conversation because it's not an easy conversation to have, but there's so much involved with it and there's so many emotions and there's so many perspectives that you have to consider that there's kind of no way to not stumble through it when you're talking about all of the emotions and ups and downs that happen. So anyway, my dad's passing. I'm somebody who suffers with clinical depression, lives with clinical depression. See, we're both doing it still. And so when my dad passed away, I like spiraled into a, I just wanted to stay in my bedroom. I just wanted to stay in bed. I didn't want to leave the house, my chair or my bedroom. Like mm-hmm. that was, that was my go-to. Yeah. You had Papa's flannel I that had, I still did. smelled like him. And I did. I think we watched some Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> we might have. <laughs> but having clinical depression to begin with, for me, added another layer to the grieving process. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe people who don't have depression would grieve in the same way, but I had to be cognizant. Is that the right way? That is the right. Look at me. Yeah. Of the fact that I do suffer from clinical depression and it can spiral out of- It can take a hold. It can take a hold of me Mm -hmm. for long periods of time. And I had to separate the fact this isn't the clinical depression. This isn't me caving or falling into a valley of- my mental disorder mm-hmm. this is grief this is they're different right and it just brought another level to having to recognize that I'm grieving it's okay but be careful that it doesn't turn into depression and not wanting to socialize with people and right right so that life event became a little bit trickier more, to handle or, or to maneuver to maneuver yes. something that I had to be aware of could right. spiral me into a valley of my illness Right. And that's something that everybody, I think, with a mental disorder needs to be cognizant of, whether it's depression or anxiety or whatever the case may be, because there are aspects of all of these disorders that are also just kind of natural human experience. It's just a matter of being exacerbated. I liked I liked that word <laughs> or um, amplified. Right. With normal life occurrences. But like anxiety, right? Everybody experiences anxiety and stress. That's just part of being a human being. Everybody experiences sadness, that kind of thing. And so if you're somebody who, like K-Dog was just saying, struggles with depression, you need to be aware of that and to be able to say, this is sadness. This is just human sadness that is not great. Nobody likes it, but it's absolutely okay for me to experience this and it doesn't mean I'm spiraling I'm spiraling yes but then also you have to kind of know where that line is that's something that right over the past 10 years I've had to navigate as well because I can be sad right and I need to know where that line is between okay I'm just I'm really sad like I'm really sad my papa died and I can't I'm depressed and the same thing holds true for people with anxiety Right. You need to know that line of, okay, this is 
unhealthy. Like this is my mental disorder. This is anxiety. That is more so than your regular like human experience anxiety. Yeah. Like I'm about to get on stage and sing a song in front of 200 people and I'm anxious. Right. Well, yeah. Or just the normal stress of like I got this task to do and this and that like normal life. Right. Yes. But anyway, we're digressing. We are. We're tangenting. Tangent. Let's just, I'm going to like, let's interview. Let's go interview style for this one. (laughs) Okay. And I'm going to interview you. Oh God. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this interview though. (laughs) So. (laughs) Ma. Chorus days. High school musical. Anyone? No? Okay. You are somebody who lives with panic disorders. Yep. Generalized anxiety disorder. Yep. Obsessive compulsive disorder. Yep. These are things that you live with. Major depressive disorder. Oh, missed one. You did. So growing up, before we had a handle on this and understood this, what were your thoughts around all of the symptoms that manifest themselves due to these mental disorders? My thoughts were my family's thoughts. I mean, I was too young, right? I didn't know any better. My family said I was just being dramatic or my family said I was being a brat. Those are my thoughts, which then turned into, well, why can't I not be a brat? What is wrong with me? Why am I such a bad person? Okay. And then as you get older and we realized that you had mental disorders, Mm -hmm. that you were learning how to navigate, Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts? I knew there was something wrong with me. And so did that make it better at first? No, it made it worse. Why? Because it wasn't something that we talked about. It wasn't something that we, that was accepted in our world. It wasn't something that is normalized. It's not something that's normalized, right? And so I took all of those perceptions, right? What what I took from my family, what, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Flowed into me from, right, from their perceptions as a child, turned into, see, I knew there was something wrong with me. And it's even, it's not that I'm a brat, it's even worse. Like there's something chemically wrong with me that needs to be fixed. And how do you feel now, 10 years later? I feel like it's going to be explicit. Oh, here we go. I feel like, fuck that. Well, I don't know if I can leave that one in. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my brain is just my brain. Like that's, those are the chemicals of my brain. That's how it functions. These are the, like, that's who I am. I am lucky enough that I don't have any allergies. Like I've never had to deal with an allergy in my life. I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have diabetes, like physically on par. Instead, I have a mental illness. That's, that is my burden and not, not burden, but my, I mean, kind of, it is kind of a burden, right? Like I'm not going to say it's not a burden there, but it's, it's mine. It's my unique makeup. It's what makes me me. It's what has formed the way I look at the world. It's what's, what has formed who I am and how I treat other people. And it's made me, I think, a better person. Do you think at this point in life, you're over the hurdle? No. (laughs) No. Well, let's, I mean, so let's talk about hurdles, right? It's not just one hurdle. It's not like when you're, when you're a racer and that's your event and track hurdles, there's a bunch of them all lined up. Yes. So I might be over some of them. However, do I anticipate that there could be more in my future? Absolutely. But do you feel better equipped to address them? 100%. Okay. 100%. And because it's been addressed because it's been addressed and it's been accepted and accepted honored and honored and it's not something that in our life and in our world we're ashamed of not anymore no I mean, clearly we're here sitting here on a podcast <laughs> that we're bra- you know blasting out to whoever 
wants to listen saying we suffer from uh, we live with these things <laughs> and they're not something that needs to be ashamed of there's something that needs to be out in the light out in the light so yeah. that people are aware that one in eight people in our world mm-hmm. is going through this but there's a hard line there to navigate it is mm-hmm. not easy no and it takes a toll on a family it does take a toll on a family. And so for our family, let's talk about the toll that it took. Again, I say, do we have to? <laughs> I mean, kind of, that's why we're here. Yes. And this is just to start the conversation. But it took a toll on relationships. It took a, it took a huge toll on relationships. Mm-hmm. In our household, we were dealing with a lot. You had a plan to harm yourself. I was sleeping in your room for months We snuggled. Right? Because you were afraid to be alone in the nighttime. I was afraid to leave you alone in the nighttime. Yep. And we had to Mm -hmm. work through that whole thing where, okay, now she needs to start sleeping in a room by herself. And we, you know, we had to navigate that. And so. And because other people, other family members, I should say, had an idea of, well, it's been three weeks. She should be better by now or she should be sleeping on her own. And. That was difficult. That was difficult. But also, let's acknowledge the amount of time and energy learning to live with something like that takes. It takes away from other relationships because it is all-consuming. So on the other side of that, there was your sister who was not vocalizing it, but, you know, hey, hello, I still exist. Hey, hello, I'm on this. Why am I on the back burner? I'm always on the back burner. Right. Right. And when Sorry, you're... Sorry, sis. That was not my intention. But when you're in the thick of it and you're trying to... And we're talking about like life-threatening issues here or health issues. I mean, our particular road has been months of no sleep. It's been... Months of vomiting. Months of, of like, you know, months of no speaking. Right? That too. I mean, we've we've navigated some pretty hairy things and they took tolls on other relationships because it's all consuming Mm -hmm. and so we just like to acknowledge that that was happening and that it affected relationships that we are now as we come off the other side of some of this as we talked about right not that you think by any means that the journey is over but you're now equipped right we're now more equipped to deal with this journey we're now addressing the fallout yes of the war, so to speak, right? We're, we're mm-hmm. putting things back together and right. acknowledging all the feelings and toll that it took on the relationships because the reality of the situation is, is it did it take did. a toll on the relationships. And so that's also part of the conversation, right? It's also part of the conversation. In some families, parents might not agree on what needs to happen for the care, right? It can take a toll on marriages, Absolutely. I mean, we were lucky enough that my husband is a fabulous man. I agree. And just pretty much said, I mean, he kind of took a back seat. Like, okay, Kelly, let's, you know, you handle it. Like, not not in the respect that he said, oh, it's all on you. I'm not going to deal right. with he it. He wasn't like, oh, I'm walking away, hands clean. But it was never a, we never had a conversation of maybe you shouldn't be handling it this way. Maybe you shouldn't be that protective. Maybe you shouldn't be allowing her to sleep in our room right now. Maybe you shouldn't be this. Maybe he, you shouldn't be that. He trusted that. Good word. 
he trusted that you would make the right choice for what was best for me at the moment. And and that's not to say that I all the decisions that I made and the way that it was handled was perfect. Like I said There's before. There's no way to make that like Yeah, yeah like it, I said before. Impossible. Before, you know, we did the best we could and when we learned to do better, we we did better. We did better. So but we can't deny the fact that it has taken a toll on relationships. Right. On both sides. And sometimes people don't believe, like in our case, there are people in our not immediate family, but in our family who, for whatever reason, whether I didn't let them know how bad it was, or they didn't want to acknowledge how bad it was, or how difficult it was. It was or maybe a little bit of both. Or maybe knows? a little bit of both. It's just like, you know, the whole grief thing. When somebody's grieving, maybe what they need is for you just to sit there and not try to make it better for them. Right. Not try to speed it up because you're uncomfortable with it. Right. That's part of the problem with mental disorders and how we deal with them. We want our loved ones to not be sad. We want our loved ones not to be depressed. Mm -hmm. We want our loved ones not to, you know, have an internal battle in their mind when they walk into a room and there's a picture crooked or (laughs) not have to check the lock 17 times before they go to bed or not have delusions or not have insomnia or just all the things that come with some of these mental disorders right Right. not feel as intensely as they do because it's not easy to feel and people who suffer from ADHD not not easy to feel people who suffer from ADHD and ADD they feel emotions to the max that's part of this the disorder they do and something that for you if you don't feel emotions that way seems frivolous is magnified tenfold to somebody who is learning to live with ADD or ADHD. Right. Or just, again, I go back to somebody who has a larger emotional bandwidth, right? And, and that's not like a... It's not negative what you're saying. It's no. just somebody... Sensitive being, right? There's, right? there's people that are highly sensitive people. It's an HSP. It's, it's a actually thing. a... It's just a thing. It's a thing. So it's just difficult, right? The, we want difficult. them not to... We're looking at it as if we were going through that or we were feeling that, we'd be suffering. We'd be in pain and we don't want them to be in pain. So let's give 80 million suggestions on how we can make it better, how you could make it better. Yep. And let me tell you... That doesn't always come across the way you think it does. Yeah, I mean, how that was received on our end, right, wrong, or indifferent is as the mother who's getting opinions from family members, maybe you should, maybe you should, maybe you should, they're trying to help in a place of love and their level of understanding. Right. On the receiving end of that, when you're in the middle of the battle, it feels judgmental. It feels like you Attacking. think they're, you're not doing the best that you can, mm. that you could be doing better, that maybe you're part of the problem because of the way that you are handling it. Right. And so with all the things that we talk about, and again, I feel like we've gone all over the map with this conversation because it's difficult and it's winding. And again, this is barely scratching the surface on it too. Really, for sure. Losing my train of thought. Being able to communicate healthily through all of this. Like if we, if we as a society and in relationships learn how to acknowledge our feelings and communicate them in a non-attacking, non-accusatory way, mm-hmm. and we learn how other people 
receive and give information and how to recognize that and respect that in people, then we can learn how to say, like we said so many times, hey, what I'm hearing is you think I'm doing a bad job and that I'm making Abigail's situation worse because I'm enabling or I'm coddling or I'm any of the words Mm -hmm. that I said to myself in my mind. Is that what you meant to say to me? Is that what you think? Right. And in our situation, the answer was yes from some of our family (laughs) members. Yeah. That is what they thought. They did think that they, I'm not going to say knew better, but they did did think that maybe if it was handled in a different way, it would have been resolved quicker. And like that's, I also just want to put it out there that, What's how do I want to phrase this? That's just not a thing, right? Everybody going back to the beginning of of this conversation, the work was my own. Right. The and the speed at which I recovered, I say in air quotes or got back to a point where I could live my day to day without it interfering on such a level that it had been, right? That was my work and my journey and that speed was set by me and me alone, no matter how anybody else around me handled the situation. Correct. And for me, what I was willing to accept, like what is true for me, and I can say this with like a clear conscience and and like pure heart, regardless of whether it had been Abigail or Emily or any of my children, like which, which one it was, even to this day, moving forward, my truth and what I'm willing to accept, like what is true for me, If I had to live what we lived for the last 10 years, for the next 10 years, well, Abigail found her footing and navigated it and learned it and, you know, peaks and valleys, Mm -hmm. then that is what not just me, but my husband and I would do, right? If we needed to have you in our home and that's, you know, that's what life was and we were still learning to navigate it and that's what it took to keep you on this earth and mm-hmm. you know at a place where you could function function and do the work then that's what we would do and i would have done the same for my other daughter and so that's, and that's also really what people need that's what that's all we need well not all we need but no but what i'm saying is that's also my decision right like yes was it difficult was it hard was it draining was it exhausting did other relationships suffer yes but it was my work to figure out how to make them not and I accepted that this was the role I was going to play in this journey and so what I didn't need was to be told that I should be handling it different right and acknowledging that some of that was internalized on my own some of that was a story I was telling myself some of it wasn't and some of it wasn't but because I was in the thick of it and just acquiring the communication skills. I mean, we were in a learning mode, right? This is the things that we've learned over the last 10 years. Right. I wasn't able to vocalize them in the correct manner. Nope. And so now we're in what I like to call rebuild mode. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I like that. Yeah. And that's just, that's just life. That's just our journey. And honestly, I bet it's the journey of many of you who are living and learning to honor your mental disorder or you're coming to grips with the fact that your child has one right or your spouse has one or your mother has one right because 
one in every eight. So. Right. Because I can address this from the other end of the spectrum. I can address this in both directions. I well, actually all three directions. All three directions. So I have Up, a down sideways. I have a daughter who. Dada. Dada. My Rhode Island is coming out. <laughs> who Sorry. <laughs> walked this journey to an extreme because there are different varying levels of mental disorder and how they affect your life. Right. I live with mental disorders. You do. And they affected my life at a different degree. Which makes sense because, you know, more often than not, they're genetic. And my mother lives with obsessive compulsive disorder. That she does. And probably others I'm not aware of. And so so I've lived this from all ends and kind of had it take a toll on my mental well-being, my view of the world, my view of myself. Mm -hmm. And because it's something that was not talked about and because it's something that isn't normalized. Even acknowledged. Really, it wasn't it wasn't even acknowledged. A lot of it was internalized. Yeah. Right. It was perceived as from the daughter perspective, if I could just do things better, if I could just. Right. You took on a lot of the where grandma is concerned. You took on a lot of the responsibility. Yes. Of her mental disorder. I did. Because if you could just and let's call a spade a spade. Part of that is because she expected you to. Part of it is, yes. Right? But also part of it is just who you are. You're somebody who you wanted to make things better. You wanted, as a daughter, right? We've talked about this dynamic. As a daughter, you wanted to make her proud. You wanted to make her happy. You wanted to be the best daughter you could be. And so she was working, working, living with obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's something that in her world wasn't even acknowledged until very late in her life. Well, I don't necessarily know that's true. I think she's always been aware of it. I just think it's that we don't talk about it, right? We don't need to talk about it. So as kids, we weren't aware of it. Even as young adults, we weren't aware of that was the the thing, right? right. We, we weren't aware of that is why mom is the way that she is. And why it felt like to you as a daughter that you couldn't do anything right was really just because her mental disorder made it so that she needed to have things in a certain way and you took on that responsibility. Yes, and not that that's the intention of my mother. No, right? that's not and what that, I'm saying. That's not what we're saying. We're not making it like, oh, bad guy, because that's not the thing. No. What we're, I guess the point of the conversation is, just, is just fact. had we known, had we talked about it, had we been able to sit down and say, listen, I have this mental disorder. It affects my need to control. It affects this. It's why I feel the need to move my furniture every three days, like whatever, mm-hmm. just things, right? If we were able to have the conversation about this is what it is and this is how it affects me. You were able and to address it. I was it. able to say, oh, well, first one, just acknowledge like, oh, that's a thing you're going through, right? Mm. I have no idea. But also be able to acknowledge that, oh, this has affected me and be able to say that it has affected me without it being a personal thing, right? Without it being like, I'm not trying to attack you, mom, because I'm saying your OCD has affected me, right? It's just fact. It's just fact. It's It's what we just said with this whole conversation is mental disorders not only affect the person who lives with them, but the person who they have relationships with as well. 
Right. And I feel like we almost need to end this episode with that, right? Like, I'm not sure that we really even resolved anything or gave any kind of hints as to how or why or what other than it's a thing. It's a thing. Well, that's really what the conversation needs to start with is it's a thing. Talk about that it's a thing. It's okay that it's a thing. One in eight people. One in eight people. And in In the world. In the world. And it affects relationships. And it does affect relationships. And so we will definitely be approaching this subject again moving forward because we didn't even really talk like K-Dog said about, I mean, we did talk about how to kind of maneuver it with your relationships, but there's so much more. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was just scratching the surface, right? So much more. This is a conversation that's hard. It's difficult. There's a lot to acknowledge on both ends. There is. And we also didn't even really talk about suicide. Yeah. I mean, we'll get there. Right. We'll get there. But I I that's also a, a big part of our lives and our relationship and our growth journey. Right. But let's let's just, I guess, let's end it there just to acknowledge that it exists, that it's out there, that it needs to be talked about. And I think there'll be a future episode talking about navigating the mental health arena. Oh, absolutely. Because that is not easy. That is not easy. We'll end it with a quote from the World Health Organization that talks about, I guess, the... Talks about the mental health arena, health systems, right? And where they stand now. Just to, to kind of wrap it all up and be like, right... It's not talked about. This is a direct quote from the World Health Organization. Health systems have not yet adequately responded to the needs of people with mental disorders and are significantly under-resourced. The gap between the need for treatment and its provision is wide all over the world and is often poor in quality when delivered. So that's because we're not addressing it part of it yeah I mean that's 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 yeah we just need to start being more aware of it and the need and the amount in which it affects our worlds and because it does it everywhere right and yeah. so <laughs> so I guess we've said this a few I could times just talk forever yes, and ever and ever about this this kind of brings me back to like our second episode when we talked about what makes a relationship so complex and if you say to yourself about this relationship why is it so hard why is this relationship mother-daughter relationship so difficult Mm. well because it should be right right we we said that in the second episode and it's the same thing with this conversation if you're out there dealing with a mental disorder in your family makeup right Mm -hmm. if it's affecting your relationships if you're in the thick of it and you're saying to yourself if I just did that if I could just do this if 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 and you're doubting yourself because man did I doubt myself do I still doubt myself as I was going through that situation with Abigail and as I look back could I've handled my relationship with Emily in a different way could I have communicated in a different way with my sister could I have done these things I could have things could have been easier if I knew how to communicate my feelings my boundaries and speak the truth of what was happening easier and mm-hmm. more openly they could have but What I'm trying to say is I did the best I could. I studied. I learned. I grew. I'm still growing. And when I learn to do better, I do better. And so let's remove the judgment from it. Heck yeah. And just keep going. Yeah. And at that, we will revisit this again in another episode. But I think we'll end it there and say, see you next time. See you next time. And you're not alone. Bye. Thanks for joining us on our journey today. If you liked what you heard and are looking for more, 
Make sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow us on social media. But for the most fun, go find us on TikTok at The Mother Daughter Journey. See you next time.